right into the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, last week we spoke about the radical prayer of Jesus. We spoke about the approach and how it's to do with. It's matters well. Get some. It's put with approach. If you approach, we want different approaches to different people to deal with the relationship that we have with them. And this wasn't just a Lord's Prayer just to be repeated without thinking, without thought, as I shared last week, as I did at primary school, had never prayed, but yet knew word by word the Lord's Prayer. And so very quickly, our Father, we spoke about how God is our Father. We can come to Him at any given time, approach Him as a dependent child upon a heavenly Father. As we go into the prayer closet, as we shut the door on the world, that we can approach, hear that love, hear that communion, as Elsa was sharing, we a loving heavenly Father. We're the Ian that keeps on crashing the bike into the wall, but we can come back to Him at any time. And it's not just my Father, it's our Father. It's to do with community. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. We spoke about his now flippant Father, that he's a Father that deserves to be feared. He is holy. We have to keep that prayer closet as a holy, reverent place, a majestic place. Not just as a, a Father, and okay, I'll just speak to him like I'll speak to any other person on the face of the planet, but Christ's heart was, may your name be kept holy. So we approach the prayer closet, communion with God, we are sent to reverence, we are sent to awe, we are sent to unprivileged to be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Holiness doesn't mean just somebody that doesn't sin, it's some, another being that is completely set apart for our creation, and we get to speak to Him as our dad. He deserves reverence. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's a king, we are kingdom. And as we pray, and as we petition the Lord with prayer, we must recognize this. We didn't second guess how he wants to answer. We are things of life. We approach with this heart. He is the king, I'm the subject. His perfect will is done on heaven. And we are asking for ourselves, whatever it looks like, and for our church, whatever that looks like, for our community and for our nation, forever that looks like as we approach the prayer closet, we have to hear a heart that would bow, well, I want this prayer to be answered like this, but may your will be done in this circumstance. So, we're on a second part. This is far it gets about really our requests. Verse 11, I learned this is give us our daily bread. That's what it is. And NLT is give us today the food we need. Give us today the food we need. This is approaching God as the provider, and I'm like a beggar in need. Theologians are divided about the meaning of bread or food. One half would say this, Jesus has already says, man must not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from our Father. So some theologians say this, Jesus has said already that he is the bread of life. Some theologians say that's entirely spiritual, that as we pray that God would be our bread of life, that Jesus would feed us, we are saying this, 
I want spiritually fed. Give me some fresh bread today to spiritually enthuse me, spiritually feed me. Give me a read my word. As I come and as I sit and as I read the word of God, I spiritually need feeding. It could mean that. If it does mean that, then there's nothing else in the Lord's Prayer that speaks about asking God for practical needs. The other side of the theologians is this. They would say that it is on about the practical God cans that you have to go through life with practical needs. He cans you have a stomach. He cans you need fed. He cans about roofs over your head. He cans if you need a car to journey away for work and for missions. And so we approach the prayer closet, God, you provide. You provide my earthly needs. You can find need. Just give us the day our daily bread. Not too much. I'm not looking for extravagance. So understanding an extravagant God. But the heart was this, that we would receive enough by the heart of God for daily life. But our focus would be on spiritual things pertaining to the other bits of the prayer. So, you might think you want a Gucci handbag to look cool. And then they really, that's his name, my words. Do you, do you pray about a Gucci handbag? Like, what good is that for the extension of the kingdom? You maybe need a handbag, but yet God says, don't worry about stuff. I'm your father. I can't for you need. I'll provide it. Even if it is practical things to pray for, I think the heart of Jesus was has come before your heavenly father, Ask for your daily needs, knowing that he'll provide it, your daily bread. Then I mark it a focus. Then I mark the things at earth, the affluence, the keeping up with the Joneses, the wants and the needs that we feel in this world that we've got to hear to survive and for a status symbol. Then I, then I mark out your focus. Even if it's physical needs, God's your provider, daily bread. That was the most basic thing for the Jewish people, was daily bread. Abdi's got a loaf in the cupboard, haven't they? Abdi's got a loaf. You can use it for multiple things. You can dip it in loaf. You can dip it into soup. You can make sandwiches. You can make toasties. Just give the basics, Lord. I'll be grateful for the basics to get through this day. It's good to approach God. He's your provider. I'm a man in need. Give us today the food we need. Elsa mentioned us strongly in, in verse 12. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins, says us that I learned, forgive us our trespasses. Don't else learn that? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And seeing this, I see God as a forgiven judge. And I'm a man in need of forgiveness. Trespasses is to do with boundaries. There's signs that go up that says trespassers will be prosecuted. 
And we can that God is a holy standard. He's a holy God. And I'm a trespasser. I inflict on his boundaries. I far outreach them. We moral conduct, moral behavior. But not only that. Attitudes of the heart. The place that people can't see. Some people are outward sinners. You just look rebellious. But some it's a matter of the heart. For Jesus says, if you didn't forgive people for the heart, if you look at for the heart lustfully upon somebody else, you're committing a sin far. It's in the heart. But Jesus is also pointing across, your Father will forgive you. And maybe you're just somebody in need this morning or the forgiveness Oh God, and you can approach God, and if you're in turmoil of heart saying, God, I can, you're a forgiven God. You are a judge. I'm a trespasser. I've overstepped the mark. People can have overstepped the mark. I've overstepped the mark in my heart. But God, could you make me anew? Forgive me, Jesus. It's a good prayer. It's a wholesome prayer. It's, it's this. It's keeping the slate clean. And I think the mirrors are mature as a Christian. Forgiveness is part of a daily prayer life. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm an offender towards you, your holy law. But also, if somebody is encroached in my personal space, my personal boundary, said things towards me that I don't agree with, as a trespasser towards me, has done things to me, said things to me that's encroached in my moral conduct, then God, I give them out to you. As I have a trespasser being forgiven, I wipe the slate clean. As Elsa was sharing, that vertical forgiveness, but also as we take communion, we need to be continually forgiven with an attitude of Christ in our hearts, each other. We can approach God looking for a clean slate. The next point, and this is, was really heavy on my heart, is this. Verse 13. And don't let us yield to temptation. I learned, lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. NLT, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's this relationship that we have with a holy God, that He is our guide. And I'm like a blind man in need of guidance, in need of leading. There's one thing Isabel would say about me. I am incredibly useless at directions. <laughs> Not like Mark Larry driver. I told him for I was going for holiday, he spoke me through the route I was about to take up the west coast. But Isabel can go up somewhere once in holiday, nip to the shops, go back to the hotel, and she would be able to navigate out really easily about every turn and how to get out the day after. By the end of only break, I still have no idea how to get myself back for the shops. Is it just me, David? I see an amen, David. I've still no idea. Like, praise God, sat-navs, Google Maps, I rely on them. 
I'm a man in need of guidance. As we navigate this life, God, through this prayer, is telling us He can mark a why if you struggle with temptation, for you need to be led into the place of temptation. That if you are somebody that continually yields and you get bound by sin, you continually get into that place because our hearts can want to be tempted and can want to sin. That if you're somebody that goes on cycles of freedom and yielding to temptation and you feel as though you're in a good place and you get success and you feel as though you're gone somewhere and then boom, temptation comes your way and you feel like a loser again. That's prayer. God, lead me near to temptation. Navigate my life. This is a prayer that you might never see the answer to as any decade that God even answered it. He might lead you a while for the dealer, for that person that would have led you into the temptation. It might lead you a while for that thing you were going to see that would lead you into temptation and sin. But praying this prayer is God, you see all. You see everything. Your desire is not for me to yield to temptation. God, keep temptation far from my life. I'm a man, I'm a woman in need of guidance. I don't want to keep failing in cycles. That sin that so easily entangles, that crouches at the door and knocks to try and get you to fail and sin and ruin your relationship with a good father. Inflicting on your relationship and community with believers. Temptation for everybody in here will have a different level of temptation. As in for some, it's so severe. It's like the, every day is a struggle with this temptation. You get up in the morning and think, God, if I can just get through this without severe sin, that's a success. For some, you just glide through. And only temptation could be put in your way that would destroy somebody else. It's nothing in you. You're maybe mature, you've maybe watched just till I or days. But I can this, I would put some of you, I'm going to try it, into the red light district in Amsterdam. That's the place, the hotbed of temptation. And I just hear in my mind some unsuspecting mature lady gone there for a holiday, a trip, or even a hen party, and then a report coming back, and said, how would you get on in Amsterdam? Like, it's hot bed, that's a hike, I've never been. And they'd come back and say, oh, really nice cafes. The kicks, the kicks really made me smile and giggle. There's good cafes in Amsterdam. I thought, I've never seen a thing. Just good kicks. But somebody else, into that situation. You'll be fortunate if they even come back. You would lose them. Why? It's temptation. It means different things to different people. For some, it's a daily battle. For some, it's really is near that battle. I'm one about severe temptations. You get other temptations, temptations to be greedy, to be lazy, to gossip. It's at different levels with different people. But it's a prayer that we could all pray. God, I don't want to be led into temptation. Watch my feet. God, if I see. God, if I'm listening to. God, if I say. 
God, let Manet yield to temptation. The devil is real, and God, Jesus, what I say, that's about the evil one. He kens how to lure you. He's not daft. He's been doing this for thousands of years. Me, my dad, and the, the Duthie Manes went for a fishing trip on the it was a misty, misty angling trip on the way. Doesn't matter. I, I don't receive no, no commission for people going, so if I've got a name wrong. So me and my dad are side by side, about two yards apart, and we get our fishing rods and we get the bait. It wasn't a live bait, it was, um, it was lures. His was different from mine. So through the hell trip, uh, Grandad Jimmy was getting frustrated because he was hardly catching a thing. Meanwhile, he's loon. He's got the favor of the Lord upon him. He, he believes in a miracle catch. Two yards away, I was hooking up what mackerel and getting different things. And I was like, Dad, just, you know, got the favor, do it, you know, just man, come on, worship service. And uh, it was first, I could see the frustration. And I was like, I can't, I'm not an expert, but we're, we're trying to catch with different things. But the experts, the guy that's got the boat, we was hiring for them. So they put the lures on. So it came at the very end. I'm quite a shy guy. I'm not really that bold. It came at the end, and my dad had hardly caught a thing. My bucket was half full. I was full of pride. And so I called the expert. I, wanna, I says, look, he's hardly caught a thing. I've caught a lot. Different mechanisms here. His lures are different. And the expert says, look, you see your lures to my dad? They are really near for fit we're supposed to be catching. My dad, it was the end of the trip. He was like, well, you hooked them up. <laughs> you're not going to catch nothing. Your, your lure is for deeper water. That's why Bozo next day has been catching stuff for 40 quid. And that's why you've hardly caught a thing. And you can, the enemy wants to, he can how to lure. He can your lure for young people, for all people, for any type of person. He can a hook to try and drag you away for God's presence, for God's purpose, for God's plan for your life, so that you would bite and you would feel the sting of sin and that you would feel condemnation and you would feel shame and you'd feel disconnected for the presence of the Lord and God's people. And Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. That God's your guide, and He can lead you away for temptation. He can lure you by His presence, by wisdom, and by revelation, by His Word. He can lure you away for places and people and spaces that if he wasn't so aware and wasn't so prayerful, you would have just walked in it. And that would have been a full-blown assault or sin upon your life. Yet you still have the choice. You see us time and time again with people stuck in addiction. I don't just want to go to that, but it is a lesson on how you deal with temptation and, and sin. I was speaking to somebody this week that it's just... Trying to break out for that lifestyle, and one of the things I'd always say, never, ever put yourself in a place for temptation will be 
magnified. As in, if you struggle with addiction, whether it be class A drugs, pill abuse, alcoholism, that you stay away from places or temptation that if you can, if you walk through that door, that stuff's going to be going on there, that's going to be your lure. This is a sacrifice you make. And sometimes it costs you friends and relationships. You walk away. You just walk away. You don't go near the door. Go visit your granny. Go visit somebody else. Get on the phone to some steady person and guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. That's an extreme example. Maybe you can apply it to your life or maybe your thing that you continually veer at goes right across the board. If you kind of deal with your phone in a private place, that's always your thing that you're on your phone, you get involved with things that you shouldn't get involved and it can ruin your relationship with Jesus and your testimony, then I do it. Stick your phone out in the cafe. You hear me? Temptation, it's a big area. Lead me not in the temptation. This is the last scene, and I'll bring it to a close. But rescue us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is saying us that he's a deliverer, and we're a people in need of rescue. He's saying the enemy is not a figment of your imagination. He's not just a villain added to the story of your Jesus life. The evil one is real. And if you get entangled in the reality of the evil one's spiritual life, you need a deliverer. You need somebody that's stronger. You need a rescuer. You need somebody that's going to lift you up, set you free, put your feet in a sure foundation so you can live a life that is not tangled up by the evil one. But you can live a life that is whole, that is loving, that declares the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, gentleness, joy, kindness, and righteousness. Jesus is saying the evil one is real, and he's got a target for you, and even if you this morning, you would say, I'm a person in need of rescuing. I'm a person in need of deliverance. Jesus would say, I've got good news for you. Jesus can answer your prayers. The Holy One of Israel can answer your prayers. The Great I Am can answer your prayer. He can set you free. You don't have to live life entangled we evil and the evil one yielding their temptation time and time again. Fawn here believes that Christ is a deliverer. He's a deliverer. The poster can take a message for one place, a letter for one place, and deliver it to something else, your house. That's what deliverance is. Saying, My life is bound. I'm not strong enough. My heart is broken. I feel weak. I need somebody that is stronger, somebody with a bit of legs on them, somebody that can pick me up and put me in a new place. And I believe this ministry will be prevalent in the last days before Jesus comes back. That God wants his church to be free in Jesus' name. 
He doesn't want us to try and work out salvation, being broken and torn, enslaved by sin, and gain little bit of testimonies. He wants us to be completely free, full of the power, full of the joy, full of the freedom of the Holy Ghost, so that we can then find ourselves in our hearts while the storm is raging outside, while the clouds are coming in, we can say, it is well with my soul. Christ has set me free. I wasn't in a dark place. I was that letter that had mud on it, but he's picked me up. My spiritual rescuer. My spiritual deliverer. Now I've got something to share with you. Who the sun sets free. Isn't it just a little bit of free? And I haven't freed myself. For Jesus Christ is greater than the strong man. You need, you need somebody that's greater than the strong man that tangled you up in the first place, the evil one that is against especially God's people. Jesus says you need somebody that's greater than the strong man that comes in and will untie you. Jesus is the greatest strong man that sets people free. If you are here this morning and you just feel tangled, enslaved, maybe nobody else cares about to you, Jesus says this, Pray this prayer. He's able to rescue you, deliver you from the evil one. Imagine Jesus in his closing few words of his prayer. He's going to mention the one that we never really mention. He's going to mention the evil one, Beelzebub. And it's like, I need, I need just to be aware that he's real. I need just to be aware, church, that he's a being, he's dark, and he's going to boot, prowling like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The whom he may devour is me. It's you, it's the person next to you, it's your kids, it's your parents, it's your grandkids, it's your grandparents. He's not trying to devour policies, procedures, governance, things written in legislation. It's whom? And Jesus is saying he's real, but there's a deliverer, and you can live free, and live free to Jesus. And in my heart, I was just reminded, as I was preparing, that the Jewish people in Egypt, Pharaoh was real. He was now figment of their imagination. He had designated authority. And he bound under the political landscape of Egypt. The Jewish people were whipped, were beaten to mark great things for Egypt. And then Moses, for had a call to be a deliverer upon his life, tried in his own strength to do it, murdered somebody, buried them, and then went away. But when God, Yahweh, turned up in a burning bush and spoke to Moses, he says, I have heard their cry. Pharaoh's big. I'm bigger. I've heard their cry. I've heard their moans. I've heard their groans. God tell them, who will I say has sent them? Sent me, said Moses. I am. 
Ne I was, ne I'm gonna be. Tell them that I am the special name for God, the one that is present. Tell Pharaoh, a deliverer's coming. Let my people go. That's not enough to be saved under the rule of Pharaoh. Jesus didn't save you to be a slave to Pharaoh. He didn't save you go to the cross so you could say a prayer, go to church on Sunday, and live a wicked life and be ensnared and entangled. The heart of Yahweh is always deliverance. Go, tell Pharaoh, you're dealing with God's people. Let my people go. And then he went, well, okay, I need somebody who can speak for me. I'm just a fumbler. Aaron was sent. We tremors. Got to let God's people go. Time and time again, Pharaoh says, no way. And through miracle upon miracle upon miracle, Really, God just came doing in judgment upon Pharaoh and his household as soon as it interfered with Pharaoh's kids. He says, okay, let's do a bargaining. Let, we'll let the all people go into the wilderness to worship, but near the kids. Because Pharaoh knew if the men went without the kids and the wife, they'll come back for their families. And so there's a little bargaining thing going on, and Moses says, no, we're not leaving a hoof here. We're all going. Me, my wife, my kids, my cousins, all the Jewish people, and we're taking our animals with us. We are going. And the hand of judgment was so against Pharaoh. The Passover and all that, Pharaoh had, you guys need to go so we can get some peace. The hell message is this. God, Yahweh, Jesus, is a God of deliverance. Entirely. Not just 5% to come back to the evil one in a week's time and dear thing we have. To go entirely full salvation. And I'm praying for a people that would say, I'm going. I'm going. My wife's gone. My kids are gone. Roxy's gone. That's my dog. No hoof will be left behind. When God has got something new. And I want us as a church to be aware of the deliverance power of Jesus Christ. And for us as a community to say, hey, we're all going. Jesus has paid the price for us to be set free. And ask the worship team to come up. The Lord's Prayer. In two weeks, we kind of fully get justice. A prayer that just helps you as we go into prayer closet, out with watching eyes, as we shut the door on other things. We see God as a father. We see him as holy. We see him as a king, that his will must be done. We see him as our provider, as our forgiver, as our guide, as our deliverer. And we're praying as a leadership team that once, okay, it's been two years in the making, we get the Freedom Center, God willing, in the new year. Up and running. We're almost there. We have to pick carpets doing and get change of use. But there would be a space, I think there should be a space, for people to come in that needs deliverance and freedom. It cannot always be at the front of church. We've got to be, by appointment, a, a space that you would be able to come in and even 
and a space of confidence, a safe environment to say, hey, nobody kens us, but the evil one of lot of man is destruction that can look at prayer, be set free. Because so many people just live with things that God doesn't want us to deal with. And he has paid the great price at Calvary to us to get to heaven forevermore, but to live something of the Christ life here on earth. And Christ's heart is for us to be completely saved and completely set free. Let's just pray. And we'll stand in worship. We'll take up our offerings. Let's just examine ourselves. You may be gone through a battle. God sees you. He wants you to be free. Jesus, you know us. And for each one in here, maybe something or everything has resonated. Maybe people in here are struggling in need. And the bells are getting overwhelming. We come before you as a God of provision. And we say, God, would you provide for your people? We didn't ask for extravagance or wealth, but simply bread, enough to satisfy the day's longing. And we do ascend the hill of the Lord to the realm of the Spirit and say, would you also feed us spiritually? We look for that words to far for heaven as we open up the Word of God that you would feed us and we would feel strengthened in the innermost being. Give us daily bread, spiritual bread, something for our souls and spirit to feed on. And God, we approach the throne room of grace and we ask for forgiveness for trespasses, for going out with your holy boundaries. And we know that you're a forgiven judge. And we plead to the throne room, I grace your mercy seat. And I pray for anybody in here that needs the forgiveness of Jesus, that they would feel a safe place to go and ask you. And we would be a clean slate as we extend the forgiveness of Jesus to others. That our hearts wouldn't carry one ounce of bitterness and unforgiveness, but you would give us hearts of flesh. And we'd forgive those that need forgiveness in our lives. And for them that struggle in the area of temptation, we pray that you would guide us awhile. Awhile for the people that would drag us in. Awhile for the thoughts. Awhile for the images. Awhile for the attitudes that would drag us in. We recognize that we are people in need of guidance. And you know all and you see all. Guide our feet. Guide our heart. Guide our lives away. May you lure us by your presence in the great and wonderful things. And specifically as well for them that need deliverance, that need set free, we plead the blood of Jesus upon their lives. We declare the truth of your word who the Son sets free. Is free indeed. And we declare that this would be a dawning or a new day as your kingdom would come afresh upon their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. 
we just stand for a moment, we went to worship and took up our offerings. I said last week I loved how it ended. And it's omitted for the NLT for reasons that's above my pay, pay, pay grade. But if when I learned it, thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. I think you do with prayer. In that secret place, yours is the kingdom. It's his. Yours is the power. It's near mine. I have no power to free you. Yours is the power. In the last words, in yours is the glory. This culmination of the Lord's prayer ends, which I do love, is to be about the glorification of him. I think that we've went through the provision, the father heart, the holiness, the deliverance. It's not a deal we glorifying me. It's not a deal we glorifying you, even through testimony. Everything must start and end. The term of our life before Christ is for your glory. And that's how we end. God, glorify your name above every other name. If you choose to bring glory through trial, let your will be done. If you choose to bring glory through triumph, let your will be done. If you choose to bring glory through poverty and persecution, let your will be done. If you bring glory through plenty in extreme provision, let your will be done. Let's praise and worship His holy name.